Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. So again, I'm super uh, excited that you're here today. The last couple of weeks have just been amazing for us in the life of this church. The idea of uh, over 2,000 people being in a 16-month-old church on one weekend. It's just bananas. And then on top of that, to see so many people that God's just touching their heart and changing lives. It's why we do what we do. And so we're excited. And last week, we began this series called All in the Family. And it was centered around this verse in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 15. And it says, you've not received this spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. That when you give your life over to Christ, and I don't know what your home life looks like or what your family life looks like, but he said you get to actually get adopted into this new family where we would be called sons and daughters of God. And I think that's an amazing thing. But then the problem is once we become a part of the family, we have to understand how to operate in the family. And today I felt specifically like I wanted to speak to even some of you that are trying to raise some families. Any parents in the room? Show of hands. Come on, show of hands. Parents in the room. That's awesome. A lot of you. Um, okay, anybody have parents in the room? Anybody have moms and dads? Some of you know. Some of you don't have moms. You were created in a laboratory, I guess, or whatever. Um, so we, we've all kind of been in that relationship at some level or another, and some of you are trying to do that. But you know, the fascinating thing about the development of a child and raising that up, it's the same process that God wants somebody who's new in their faith to go through. And so I, I'm not God's gift to this, but I'm in the middle of it. And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. And this is my crew. This is my, this is my squad. That's Jake, Lily, Annabelle, and Vivian. And, but if you know me, everybody, if you really, if I really love you, you get a nickname. So that's the dude, the bug, BZ and Rosie. And that's my crew. And, um, we're, we're at nine, seven, almost four and two. And God has just blessed me in ways that I never could have imagined. But parenting is tough. But I push back when people tell me sometimes that, man, parenting is so tough, Pastor. You know, this, well, I had those kids. They didn't, they didn't give me an instruction book when I left the hospital. Well, they, they, there actually already is one. There is one. There is one. And, and it can really help. But I think that sometimes out of frustration, uh, especially now operating, I think, in the world standard for what it means to bring up the next generation, I think you're exhausted. And I think it's incredibly frustrating. And years ago, uh, when my kids were, uh, when we still only had two of them, and they were very young, um, I went to a friend of mine who had teenage kids. They were, they were uh, at the time like 16 and like 14 and 12. And, and these kids, they loved God. They loved their mom and dad. And, and I wanted my kids to grow up and be like those kids. And 
And so I just said, can you teach me? Can you teach me what you've done? I want to know what you know because right now I have a three-year-old and an 18-month-old and I am not running them, they run me. They are the boss. I am losing and I need help. And he was incredibly gracious and he just began to ask me a few questions to figure out where I was. And I would ask you the same. He said, if you were to go downstairs tomorrow, Walk into your kitchen with your lovely three-year-old and 18-month-old. And you said, we're eating Cheerios for breakfast. And then there was immediately a revolt. They're like, I want Rice Krispies. I want oatmeal. I want pancakes. I want waffles. I want French toast. He said, if at that season, and, 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 and I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but some of you know that that's the exact scene that you would walk into if you asked the same question. He said, if you went down there and asked that question and there was a revolt, you are not the authority in your house, they are. He said, and I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I said, they know I'm the boss. They know I'm the dad. He goes, oh, so you mean to tell me that an 18-month-old that's never worked a day in their life, that still uses the bathroom in their pants, that never has bought a meal, believes that they have the right to dictate to you what they will or will not eat, and you're telling me that you're the boss? And that's when panic set in. I knew that he was wrong. I knew I was doing it better than this. And so I walked down the next morning in my most authoritarian, deep voice. All right, kids, we're doing Rice Krispies. And it was immediately like, no, no, and I stood there and I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, we are not in control. The inmates are running the asylum. And you go, that's not true, Josh. I'm doing a way better job than that. Oh, really? Have you ever had this conversation? I said, stop. Stop. I said, stop. Don't make me say it again. Stop. 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 I said, stop. Don't make me. I swear. Don't make me. I will say it. Don't make me. One. Two. And then we realize we're still not in control. They have no fear of you whatsoever. They're looking you in the eyeballs. They're staring death in the face. And death is not very scary to them. And then you result to trying to teach them fractions. Two and a quarter. Two and seven eighths. Two and fifteen sixty. One, two. See, the reality is parenting is exhausting, but I don't think it has to be quite as hard as we're making it. Now, if you come to me today and you say, man, I should have stayed at home because I'm not even married yet. And now you're talking to me about raising kids. This process that you must go through to develop healthy kids is the same process that you must be willing to go through if you're going to develop into a healthy Christian. And isn't it just like God to make the development of those two things the same thing? 
so that it wouldn't ever get confusing. The first stage would be this stage. It's just loving discipline. You like my strange gender neutral baby? I don't know what it is. It's horrifying. It's one of those with the eyes open and close. I'm pretty sure it watches me as I sleep, but the purpose at the discipline stage is to teach that actions have consequences, both good and bad. It is to establish in this moment that when I speak, you respond. The problem is in your walk with Jesus and as you raise kids, delayed obedience is disobedience. And for some of you, God has already spoken to you about all the things that you need to be doing. And it's like you're looking at heaven waiting for him to count you down. One, two, two and three quarters. <laughs> delayed obedience is disobedience. In Hebrews, in the 12th chapter, it tells it like this. He says, our heavenly father, our heavenly fathers, they discipline us for years. They're going to do the best they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. There's a reason that we need initially just obedience. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Now, I want to stop here and I'm going to say something that in this 2019 context might bother you. It might not. If it bothers you, you can send me an email. I... We, in the, in the Monty household, uh, we, we spank. Now, before you freak out and, you know, and all that, there's a difference in uh, a spanking and a beating. I've never punished my children out of a place of my own anger or my own embarrassment. And if some of you that are disciplining kids because it makes you feel better, there's something wrong with you, not their actions. It's a brokenness in you, not them. So I believe in it. I can show you evidence of it in Scripture, but uh, there is a difference. My wife asked me when she first, uh, when we first started, you know, found out we were pregnant and having kids, and she asked me the question, are we going to spank? Do you believe in spanking? And I said, absolutely, I do. Knowing that I grew up in a home that was abusive, wanting to know if I was going to be sensitive to that, and absolutely understanding that sometimes what you experience as a child, you repeat as a grown man, and are you going to be that? And she's asking those questions without asking those questions. Women, I know you think we can't see through it, but we, we know what you're doing to us. <laughs> you're not Jedi mind-tricking me. And she wanted to know, do you believe in it? And, she, and I said, yes, I do. And she said, isn't that abuse? And I said, you know what real abuse is? Letting a child grow up to be a jerk when they didn't have a choice. Because we were unwilling to do some of the hard things. We let them become whoever it is that the world wanted them to be. So we asked them all of the questions. You guys want to go eat? Who's hungry? Think about how many questions you ask people that poop in their pants a day. Just think about it. I just want you to think about it. Like, who's hungry? Who wants french fries? Who wants to go outside and play? Who wants to? Now, I want to encourage you in the discipline season to shift your language from questions to statements. Now you go, isn't that a little authoritarian? Yes, that's the point, my friend. 
Let me ask you a question. When you ask someone a question, who do you believe holds all of the answers? The person that asked the question or the person that you're asking? So when you ask a three-year-old that just messed its pants all of the questions throughout a day, who do they believe is the one that's in charge? And so everything that we do, we believe that we're empowering the next generation by asking this cute, beautiful three-year-old with a bow in her hair that would never hurt a fly or do anything mean. Where do you, do you want to go to church today? Is that baby? You know, kids can hear language in the regular register, right? Like right down the middle. Like, there's a baby? There's a one that comes to the baby? And I want to eat some cereal? Listen, the reason that you haven't been able to go out to a restaurant for six years because you know your children are going to act like wild animals is because we've skipped this stage and we went right down to stages that should be happening 10 years from now. There will be a time where you need and are expected and required to ask your children questions because it allows them to be, again, making choices based on biblical precedent. But if you ask questions too early, you're not empowering your children, you're punishing them. Not now, but down the road. So we got the step, first step is discipline. Just when I speak, respond. And I'm going to tell you, in my house, I'm going to say it one time, and then I'm going to rain down thunder. Like, it's just because I was, we were doing it the other way. I said, sit, sit, sit. Daddy said, sit, sit. Come on, baby, please. Sit, 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 sit. Come on, come on. You can do this. Sit down, sit down. Don't touch that. Get off of there. Sit, sit, sit. And you go, parenting's exhausting. Well, doing it that way is, you just said the same word 78 times in a three-minute span. You're going to go insane. So in my house, it is the command without a question, and then I expect a response. Now you go, isn't that a little heavy? It is absolutely heavy if you never move into the next stage. The second stage is training. And this is the place, and this is the season, where I begin to establish that everything I have been telling you to do, there was a biblical imperative underneath every command. That when I told you when you were three to be quiet while mommy was talking to me at the table, you did not in that season have the capacity to understand that in one of the ten commandments given down to us by God, he said to honor your mother and father. Now I can't explain that to a three-year-old. I can only get compliance. But when that child moves into the next season of training, I can tell you, hey, do you know how sometimes when we're at the table and mommy's talking and I ask you to stop when you begin to interrupt her? Yes, sir. Do you know why we do that? No, sir. It's not because I don't want to hear what you have to say. I love you and think you're smart. But it's because God already told us that your mother is worthy of great honor. And when you interrupt her, you're showing her little value. Oh. Because typically in this season, we understand that there needs to be some kind of imperative because they keep asking, why, why, why? You can't go outside. Why, why, why? And the typical answer that we give because we don't point back to the scripture, we point back to because I said so. Because I said so is okay for a little while, but eventually they move out of your house. 
And when because I said so didn't come to that particular frat party, they do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it, because I said so was the imperative underneath the command, not the word of God. You tracking? So I got to get them to listen to me. And then I can't just leave them in discipline. I've got to get them to understand I'm not saying this because I know everything. I'm saying this because God has a way to live our life that's better than I understand. Jesus spoke to it. You got to understand. They said, what do we need to be focused on? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, and I'm going to give you the next part. You got to love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He said, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. He said, instead, bring them up. Look at this, in training. The problem is you can't mix discipline and training at the same time. Has anybody ever gone through basic training? Anybody with any military experience? Do you remember how many questions they asked you when you first got there? The answer is zero. That's not a trick question. It's zero. They do not care what you think about life. They told me to put my feet on the two painted footprints on the ground, and then they would begin the process of helping me to understand that when they spoke, I respond. And if I don't, I will be punished, and it will hurt. They didn't first get me there and then tell me why they were doing everything that they were doing. They just needed me to learn that when they speak, I respond. And then they moved into the season where they began to train me in why we do what we do so that I could make decisions when because I said so wasn't in the room. And it allows you to move into the next phase, which is coaching. That's the third stage where I'm actually now able to begin to ask you questions and let you make choices. And this is why this season is so important. This purpose of this season is to establish, to allow your kids to establish their own biblical convictions and make choices, look at this though, with manageable consequences. I think we rush too quick into this empowerment idea of raising kids. No, you can make a choice, but the choice is, hey, it's time to go to church. I want to hang out with my friends. Here is now your choice. You have the choice now whether to invite your friends to church or not. The choice isn't whether or not you go to church. There is a manageable consequence now. In Proverbs 12 It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction says, stupid. He said, don't be stupid. Love discipline, love correction, love feedback. Love the coaching phase where you're getting feedback from somebody that has a few more seasons than you in the game. But parents, I want to encourage you, do this by God's standard with a moral imperative that comes from the word of God And don't give away too many big choices too early or you're going to limit their choices later. This is not this sermon and this could be for another day. We're going to do this. We'll talk about this somewhere down the road. But I've got a son and three girls. And I'm looking down at a world standard of dating that is so completely broken that my girls are now, if they step into the societal standard of dating, it is literally just uh, a time bomb 
between when I send them out praying they'll make some good choices and when I get that phone call that a lot of their choices have now been taken away. And so we've made the decision as a family. Um, my daughters aren't, will not date. Now you laugh. They will not date. Young men will be allowed when the season is appropriate to come to my house. And in open forums, in open rooms properly and appropriately court my daughter but let me tell you this there is nothing that you need to learn about somebody to marry them that you have to learn in private and all the daddies of little girls said what you trying to figure out son what you got to work out I remember I went on a date with a, um, with a gal when I was 16 years old, not living for God, thinking there's one thing that 16-year-old boys think about from the time they wake up until they go to bed and then they dream about it. <laughs> and I'll never forget this dad. And I know he thought he was doing good. He walks us outside, walks us out to the car, opens up the back seat, the back door of the car, takes this Bible, and he shoves it down between the seats. And he says this line. If you're going to go after my daughter, you're going to have to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to her. And I thought, you can bring any of your friends that you want to, sir, but I'm going everything I can tonight. I didn't say that, but I definitely thought it. Because I thought, you thought you were going to scare me with a thing that I didn't believe in yet. And I think we're giving away too many choices. So this season isn't about letting them make every choice known to man. It's about managing those choices so that there are manageable consequences that aren't going to disrupt futures but allow us opportunities to speak to why God's way is better than the world's way. And for some of you, if you're going, man, I just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to course correct Man, I'm, I know there is grace in Jesus' name. And in our house, I've said this since the day that I got married. I reserve the right to get smarter. And so when I learn a better way to do this, when I learn a better way to be a dad, when I learn a better way to be a husband, when I learn a better way to do this that will bring about God's best for my family and my kids and my wife, I don't spend any time apologizing for the season that I didn't know those things. I just walk into my house, we put them in play, and we step into God's best as a family. And you can do the same thing. But I think a lot of us are giving away too many choices too early in our, for our young people, and that's not empowerment, it's abuse. Nobody in the world thinks that it would be a great decision for me to take this baby and give it choices that it is not intellectually able to handle. Because this baby never survives on the stool. Ever. They can't make it. And if I put a baby into this season when it's not ready, it's always abuse. But we do it all the time. Saying, I took you to church a couple of times. I stuck a Bible between the two back seats. 
And I'm just going to have to pray now that you don't do anything stupid. But we never told them that God has a way that's better than the world's way. And we never established that when I speak, you listen. Because we started with questions that we answered with because I said so. We gave away too many choices too fast because we were trying to raise friends. But if you'll do this, you can move into this last stage, which is that friendship stage. (laughs) The purpose at the mentoring stage now, which is where I feel like I am in the church, is to release and empower them to begin disciplining and training and coaching And I think for a lot of us, we're stuck in this seat of the bus. So the purpose at the mentoring stage is for the re- just to release and empower. I love this in Joshua. He's getting to the end of kind of his run as the leader of God's people. And he said, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. I can't choose it for you now, son. You're going to go out into the world and you're going to make choices. And you're going to go raise a family. And you're going to go find somebody to marry. And you're going to go do all of those things. And he said, and you can choose the God of the world. You can choose the God of the Euphrates, the God that we came from. You can choose the God of the Amorites that are right here in our town. He said, but for me, in this house, we're going to serve God. So let me give you a few thoughts on this. Number one, training can't happen effectively while discipline is taking place. So that means that there has to be training times that are in conflict-free moments. That's why for a lot of you, you, when you come in for marriage counseling, it's so hard because in that phase of the marriage, I've just got to establish some discipline. There is just too many things that you feel like you have the right to say or not to say, to do or not to do, And before I can go about giving you anything that's going to lead to being in love and holding each other's hands and stepping into God's best for your marriage, I've just got to establish some discipline that is completely void in your life. But training can't happen effectively while discipline is taking place. So when you're disciplining a child, you can't mix that up in the same moment that you're trying to develop them into all that God has for them. Because think about it. They've like they, 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 just, they just hauled off and they just busted their sister right upside the head. So she's crying and she's screaming and you've gotten onto them and you've punished them in whatever way you feel is appropriate in your home. And they're sitting there now and they're upset and they're hitting you with one of these. And that lip comes all the way to the throat all the way back out. And then you're sitting there going, we're not supposed to do those kinds of things. Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. They're not listening to you. They're just thinking, I'm in such trouble. I'll never get the PlayStation back again. That's what they're doing. And you're trying to train them, but you can't train and discipline at the same time. The second thing you got to understand if you're going to bring this into action, because I said so only works when you're in the room. If that's your go-to, 
you need to understand that the Bible has already spoken to the answer to because I said so. It's not because I said so, it is because God has said so. He has a reason that we're doing the things that we do, that we respond the way that we respond, that we treat people the way that we do, the way that we forgive the way that we do, the way that we speak to each other. And because God has said so, that's how we're going to respond. Which can lead us into this next season. And number three, I'll give you this. Choices too early will limit choices later. I know that we love to ask this sweet, beautiful, innocent child that's never done anything wrong. It's whole beautiful little life. Every question in the world. But it shouldn't get to pick its outfit. Because it poops itself. It shouldn't get to pick what it has for dinner. It's never had a job. It shouldn't get to run your house. But so many of us have it twisted because we believe that once we had kids, it made us into a family. That is completely contrary to the word of God. When you stood up in front of a group of people in a church or outside or at the beach and said, for the rest of my life, I give my life to my wife or to my husband. In that moment, you were a family. And so I tell my kids all of the time, when mom and I got married, we became a family. And you guys are welcome additions. We're glad you're here, but I need to be 100% honest with you. My goal for your life is not for you to stay here. My goal for you is you are going to be like arrows in my quiver, and I plan to shoot you guys right out of here. In Jesus' name. But choices too early, choices too early limit their choices down the road. And then number four, a friendship too early will produce people that you don't want to be friends with. And for some of us, we've given away a lot of those choices. That little sweet angel girl that you let run the house now is becoming something here that you don't like to be around. And when we give away too many choices and a little bit too much empowerment too early leads to somebody that I don't want to be around when they're grown. I am in the process right now of raising up my four best friends in the world. It's just not today. We're willing to make the long play with them. As it pertains to your relationship with God, discipline, the first step, church, is just obedience. Just do what you know already. Training. We'll get to the, this is why we do what we do. But isn't it amazing that for us, I have, I see one of the greatest problems in the local church today is we have so many people that chronologically are in this seat and spiritually are in the high chair. And then what we do in the church is just like, hey, Larry, you're not dead yet. Want to be a deacon? And because you've just survived long enough, even though you don't know any verses that Tim Tebow has not written on his face, <laughs> then we put you in spiritual authority. And I believe that that's when abuse begins to happen in the church. Isn't it crazy that it would seem that the, that I, I, I look at people, the people that seem to have the loudest opinions in the church 
that cry the loudest, that scream the loudest when things aren't going their way, chronologically, they seem to be in rocking chairs and spiritually, they're always in high chairs. I had a lady come up to me one time and she said, pastor, you ever hear somebody when they use the word pastor, but they use it like a cuss word? Hmm, you've been in that church. Pastor, like she said, like it's like an insult. Like if she said like, mm, I gotta lead this church, pastor. And I was like, oh, please do tell. I can't wait to hear why. And uh, she goes, I had to leave this church because I'm not getting fed. And I was like, oh, why is that? She's like, these sermons just aren't deep enough. I was like, oh, okay. I said, you know, only babies cry when they're hungry. Grown folks go make a sandwich. Won't you get out the high chair and start making sandwiches? She left the church. It was weird. She didn't stay. She did not stay in the church. It was weird. I don't know what happened. Yeah, you've been around for a long time, but you should bring with you a deep knowledge of the Word of God, not your opinion. And, and I see some some of us, you know, they say wisdom comes with age. I've just been around a lot of people that age came all by itself. So in training, this is why we do what we do. You're going to get to that stage. You're going to get to that stage, but initially, just do what you already know. Like, if you don't have a Bible, go buy a Bible. If you never prayed, try praying. If you don't know what to pray, just pray the stuff that Jesus prayed. If you've never served, roll up your sleeves and serve. If you've never given, give. Like, just do the things that you already know that's just basic. Just go there and, and then, and then, then there, we're going to establish that there's a biblical precedent behind everything that we do and everything that we say, and there's a reason for that. And then you can go to coaching. Start making decisions. Start establishing principles. Start getting this down where it's, you're not living out somebody else's faith. You know and you've tested over time. That God's way works. You say, how long is it going to take me, Josh, to get from here to here? I believe it differs for everybody. For some of us, it's a, it's a short journey. For others, it's a matter of an entire lifetime. And that's okay. Because at the end of this life, nobody's going to bring my name up to you when you stand before God. Nobody's going to bring up your spouse or your kids. Jesus is going to hold you accountable for what you did with what you were given. So don't worry about somebody else's journey and how fast they seem to be progressing or not. You just know that God gave you some talents and you'll be judged on what you did with those. And then you get to move into this stage. It's a fun stage. Where you get to make an impact on somebody else. Where you really realize that all of this and the entire cosmos from the beginning to end didn't actually revolve all around you. Now, for some of you, you may be sitting here going, but Josh, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and if I'm 100% honest, I am not in control of my house. I mean, they're running the show. The inmates are running the asylum. What do I do? Well, like I've said, you, you should adopt this same idea, and I want to give it to you now, that you reserve the right to get smarter. And so this is what I would encourage you to do, that you go home, regardless of the age of your children, and you say, hey, listen, this is, some things have to change. I learned some things, and because mom and dad reserved the right to grow and learn and 
develop, we've learned some things that are a little different than how we've been doing things. I realize I gave you a lot of choices too early. And I sat my kids down at three and 18 months, and you go, man, that was pretty young. Trust me, they understood 100% of it. And I said, I don't like how this is going. And so from now on, there'll be no more counting. We're doing away with counting in this house. From now on, when I speak, you will respond. If you do not respond, there will be a punishment. It will be quick, and it will match the severity of the offense. And I'm not going to waste any time trying to explain to you why until I know that you are just going to do what you're told. But you have my promise that when you show me a season of doing what you've been told, I'll teach you why we do what we do. And that next week in my house was awful. Let me tell you why. Because they were going to test, did I mean what I said? And so I looked at them and I said, Mom and Dad are on a team and united we can defeat you. And we began the process. Some of you have children that are much older than mine. And I want you to know that it's okay to look at them and say, I, need, I want to change some things about how all this goes. For some of you, your grown kids are out of the house now and the season of discipline is gone and the season of training you feel like might have passed, but I need you to understand in Jesus' name that all they want to hear in the world is your voice. And you can call that young man and you can call that young woman and I want you to know that you can always tell them, hey, listen, dad's learned some stuff. And I might have messed up in how I gave it to you in this time out, but you're a grown man now, you're a grown woman now, and I wonder if it'd be okay. If I began to speak into who you're becoming. Oh, guys, I promise you that if, if that's preceded or followed by these two words, it'll be the greatest sound in that child's life. I'm sorry. Nothing gives me grace for my parents like having kids. And your kids will learn too. For some of you, this parenting thing is hard because of what you were raised in. I'm not your dad. But I wonder if you could hear your heavenly father say this to you today. Man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you. I see how you're trying. You're here. You're showing up. I'm proud of you. And you don't have to go earn anything or become anything. I need you to hear your heavenly father say to you today, son, in you I am well pleased. I am proud of you, boy. Because he is. Ladies, could you hear him say to you today, I'm so proud of you. And you're beautiful. 
you are worthy of godly pursuit. You're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. You're beautiful inside and out. You're beautiful. For some of you, the discipline of raising a child is tough because you saw the unhealthy extremes. hear your heavenly father say today they did it wrong but it doesn't mean that my way doesn't work could you hear him say I'm sorry for the generations of abuse that have shown up in your family I came to tell you today that it ends with you. And that a firm hand to your kids with good guardrails is not abuse. Letting them become what the world says is okay is abuse. And then letting them know that God has a way and that's the way that our family is going to try to go. You're going to make some choices, some good, some bad, but I'll be there along the way to coach you. Because I believe God made you to change the world. And I can't wait to tell everybody, that's my boy. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.